God is going to speak to me tonight. I'm believing it for me. We're continuing. This is week two of a new collection we started. We're calling it, It's Prayer Time. It's Prayer Time. I believe the people of God, we should be praying like never before, not at a service or in a time, but as a lifestyle of prayer, seeking after God. Last week we had a, a good time starting off the week. This week, um, I want to tell you something that you need to know. And um, some of you might have saw the back of my t-shirt when you came in or during worship or whatever. But I got a message I want to bring to you tonight that is not something we always talk about in the church or around the dinner table. But it should be something we know a lot about so that we can be successful in our Christian life. And I don't mean successful in the way the world is saying. I mean successful to the Father. That faithfulness and obedience to Him is the most successful thing we can do. That's what, that's what causes us to be set apart. That's what causes us to follow Jesus. So I'm hoping you'll take something out, get your Bible out, get your notes out, get ready to write some things down. My title for tonight is Prayer That Cancels Demons. Prayer That Cancels Demons. I see some people, they're excited for it. They need it in their life tonight. You know, in Scripture, there's a lot about demons, evil spirits, unclean spirits, as it calls them sometimes. And, and what I want you to know is that demons are real. They're real. Absolutely. It's not some made-up thing or some used-to-be thing. Demons are totally real. Evil spirits are totally real. If there's light, then there's darkness. If there's darkness, then there's light. And we can't just pretend that there's a God and then there's us and there's nothing else. Because that's not how the world is. That's a false reality. In Scripture, you're going to see, you're going to see times and times where Jesus is going about. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's doing miracles, and he's casting out demons. And we don't, we don't want to let ourselves believe that sometimes as the, as the Christian church in America, because it's just easier not to. And what we want to think about demons is that what happens is they they have a real strong manifestation in other places. So if you go on a mission trip, you might encounter some demons and you might have to, you might have to cast them out because you're on a mission trip and, and over there in some of these other places, there's real strong demonic holds. Let me just tell you something. The, the devil wants a, str a strong demonic hold on everything. So he hasn't isolated some country that you don't live in that he's trying to get a strong hold in. He wants your life too. He wants your city and your region, your state and your country. The difference is not whether or not there's a strong manifestation of demons there, over there, wherever that is, or whether there's one over here. The difference is if your eyes are open to see what's happening. Because there are strong, forceful, that require exorcism in the strongest way, demonic holds on this city and on people who call themselves Christians. And I'm not here to call anybody out tonight. I didn't. I did not bring my demon radar. You know, I didn't, I didn't bring that to, to make you feel isolated or uncomfortable or to find out who in this room's got the demons. Raise your hand now if it's you. Okay, I haven't, I, it's not the point for tonight. The point for tonight is to equip the church to live for Jesus and stand in the authority when it comes to speaking to the Father and acting on behalf of the Father that you should be already, but we might not be because we might not have a full picture of the Word of God. So, I gotta get to work. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter one. We're gonna be looking around verse 23. As you remember and you recall that there is an evil demonic 
assignment and attack on your life. And the only thing that can stop and break that assignment and attack is the power of Jesus Christ coming through the prayers. The blood of Jesus. You ought to pray like it's real. Okay, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 23. Jesus is out. He's preaching the word. He's preaching the word. And immediately, there was in the synagogue, in the church. Notice, we're in the church. They weren't in the ghetto. I don't even know what that means. They were in the church. You think that you go to the bad place, that's where the, that's where the demons are. No, no, I'm telling you, they're everywhere. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. That's the unclean spirit. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Notice that the evil spirit is calling Jesus who he is and where he's from, whereas most of the people who in this time, especially in Mark chapter 1, beginning early of any of the Gospels, they don't recognize Jesus is from Nazareth because nothing good can come from Nazareth. So they're still wondering, where is Jesus from? Is he the Messiah? And so the people that are the religious leaders, even the disciples early on, and the people that are around, they're not recognizing where Jesus is from, but the devil knows. Because he saw, you don't think he watched? You don't think he knew the time that it was coming? You don't think he was waiting for that Savior to come like he had been thinking, would it be, would it be, would it be? You don't think he was near? He sent assassination. Not just on Jesus, but on everyone, every male, two and under. And he's sending an assassination now in your city. It just looks different. It comes with a subscription. It comes in form of addiction. It comes in form of brokenness. It comes in form of blaming other people. Assassination. It's killing your purpose. Strangling your spiritual life. While you blame somebody else, some other church leader, pastor, some person that you met along the way. Ain't nobody else to blame. And if there is, ain't no use in doing it when we can stand on the authority of Jesus. Anyways. The Spirit cries out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The devil knows. The Passion Translation says, Hey, leave us alone. The King James Version says, let us alone. The problem is that the gospel can't leave evil spirits alone. When it's being preached and at work, they're disturbed, frustrated, and irritated. It can't. Jesus wasn't even going out trying to pick a fight. He was just doing his mission. And here comes the evil spirit on its way in to try to talk back to what Jesus, the word, has to say. Verse 25, but Jesus rebuked him. That's the evil spirit, not the man. Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. I got a few different things I want to tell you tonight. The first thing I want to tell you is I want to classify three types of demons. Now, maybe you could make a list of 100 kinds of demons. I just want to break it down real simple. Three types of demons. Write these down. The first type of demon out of three is tormenting. Tormenting demons. And I believe these go in orders. One being the weakest, two being next, and third being the strongest. 
tormenting demons. These are demons of anxiety, depression. They want to get in your mind. And they want to torment you so that your own mind is no longer working for you, but against you. The very gift that God gave you in the power of your mind is now being under torment of demonic spirits. First kind of demon. We can classify it for a chemical imbalance if we want. I said there's no chemical imbalance except for what the devil decides. But then we can stand in authority and get things in the right line. How else would we be able to pray over people with head, head anxiety, depression, migraines, headaches, and God do a miracle in that moment if it's not on a spiritual level? Tormenting demons. Second is this. Twisting. Deceptive. I made them all tease. You're welcome. Make it easy for you. Tormenting, twisting. They're twisting everything that is meant to come into you with purpose, with goodness. It's an encouragement. Someone comes by, they give you a compliment. This evil spirit of twisting twists the compliment and says, oh, no, they don't really mean that. They're just trying to get something out of you. The person that's just walking around just thinking critical all the time, just thinking, oh, no, they just, that's not real. That's, that's not it. They're just trying to get something from me. They just need something from me. Do you think it's just, oh, I grew up like that. My dad was just critical. He just taught me to be critical. He just said critical stuff. So I'm not, No, no, no. There's a demonic wave of this spirit that has come from one generation to another. It has attached itself, and it is fleshing itself out as a critical spirit. But what it is is a twisting demonic spirit. You hear the word. You come, and you can sit in any preaching you want, and you just twist it apart. It's not good for you. You don't get you, you sit there and you read the word and you just twist it up and twist it up and twist it up. Someone comes by and they give you a gift and you just twist it. And you can't just be, you can't just receive the gift and be blessed by it because there's a demonic hole that has come somewhere into your life that is twisting. Tormenting, twisting, and the third and most powerful is territorial. Sometimes they go in levels. Sometimes they torment and then they twist and then they take territory. The territory can take over a person. It can take over a place. It can take over a region and eventually take over a culture. You don't believe me? Go to the store and look around. Who decides what's in those stores? The church? If it's not the people of God, then it's only one place. There's only, uh, there's only one, other, one other source other than God. It's the devil. There's no in-between. There's no people that aren't serving God, aren't serving the devil, are kind of just doing their own thing out there designing stuff for everybody to buy. They're taking over. And they'll start with a person, they'll move to a place, they'll move to a region, they'll move to a culture. And that's why it's our responsibility to make sure we're aware of what these evil spirits are doing in us and in our city so that we can stand firm with the word of God, with our shield of faith, with a helmet that we have, a helmet that we have on our head, with the belt of truth, with our shoes ready for salvation, with the sword of the spirit, so we can be prepared. If there wasn't an enemy, why would we have armor on? We'd be sitting in a rocking chair. Find me that scripture where it says, be, be equipped in your rocking chair of <laughs> harmony. 
verse 27. This is, remember, he cast the demon out. The demon screams with a loud voice, shakes the man, comes out of the man, goes somewhere else, 27. And they were all amazed so that they questioned amongst themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread all throughout the surrounding region. You can go and read that he goes on in verse 32, 33, 34, 38, 39. He goes on here preaching, doing miracles, and casting out demons. And I believe in Mark chapter 1 lays out an incredible step process for the believer as Jesus says, first repent, next follow me, Next, cast out demons. Next, heal the sick. We want to do first half repent, second one quarter follow, third will be a greeter. And we'll do a partial tithe if we're feeling good. The problem is that's not the, that's not the map that the Messiah who's in Mark chapter 1 is laying out for the people to follow. He's getting right to it. He knows the work that has to happen. And sometimes in order to preach the gospel and heal the sick, he has to move demons out of the way. But we want to circle around them, dance with them on the way there, and then hope that something's going to happen. It's not. Nothing's going to happen. And if our goal is, as the church, to make sure that a place gets full of people... If our goal is, as the church, to make sure we have a lot of Bibles and we send money to the right places and we're looking good and we're feeling good and we can say, blessed brother by the blood of the Lamb, if that's our goal as the church, we're doing it. You don't got to worry about no demons because they got you right where they want you. But if our goal as the church is to be set free, followers of Jesus that know the word, speak the word, and live the word, because that's all that matters, then we have to know there is an enemy and we can defeat the enemy. My wife told me I preached a little too hard on the 11, so I was trying to, like, I was trying to play it cool. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. I want, to tell you, I want to tell you three things, three things I see in the text. The first is that the gospel exposes demons. The gospel exposes demons. When you, not when you know the gospel, but when you live the gospel. When the gospel is flowing in you and through you, it exposes demonic forces that are around you. They're being, they're being exposed for who they are. Not because you can do something so supernatural and you have the gift of, a, of discernment, and you might. I hope that you do. You should ask for the gift of discernment so you can discern what is evil and what is good. It's nice to meet someone, shake their hand, and get a feeling inside your spirit that this person loves Jesus. It's nice to meet someone and know them and think, oh man, I better be cautious because it seems my discernment alarms are going off. This is the gift of discernment. It's not judgment. I don't treat them differently. I'm not liking one and hating the other. I'm just, I just know in the spirit I can sense I can have discernment. But regardless of discernment, regardless of if you know, preaching the gospel and living the gospel exposes evil spirits. This is why Jesus is in the church preaching to the church and demons are exposing themselves. I don't have to wonder, I just have to preach. 
It will come out. The fruit will show itself. If my eyes are open, then I'll see it. The second thing I want you to know is that sin invites demons. It's a hard truth. I just want to shoot straight with you from the Word of God. That as you choose willingly to partake in sin, you're opening up the door for evil spirits to come into your house, spiritually speaking. Come into your life, spiritually speaking. Ephesians 4.27 says, Make no opportunity for the devil. Make no opportunity for evil. Make no opportunity for demons to get a foothold into your life. But it's so simple. I mean, it, it can happen so easily. All you have to do is run into a group of friends. Therefore, standing there, you come up. What are you guys talking about? Oh, we're talking about this guy over here. Isn't he just so dumb? We just hate this guy. All you got to do is say, yeah. Just so you don't have to go say anymore. Just, just agree. And now you've just joined them in sinning against that guy. Now you just opened up your back door for the enemy to come right in as he pleases because you have chosen to sin. It's so simple. I could be in the car with my wife. We can be having a great conversation and then she can say something that just kind of rubs me the wrong way and then I can get irritated and lash back. Boom, what did I do? I acted in my anger. What does the scripture say? Be angry and do not sin. You know the word, praise God. <laughs> Pastor Joe that helped us out for 22 months when we, before we had this place. He let us be in his place. What a blessing he was. What a blessing he is still. We still meet regularly. He told me one time, he said, I looked out into my congregation and I saw so many people that didn't read the word. And he said, I, it was, he, he was telling me this. And he said, in that moment, I realized it was my fault. I didn't pastor them to be people that read the word. He said, don't do that. We're like four or five months in as a church and I thought, we're not going to do that. We're going to have people of God that are in God's word. Be in his word. When we choose to partake in sin, we're opening up the door for the enemy to come into our lives. And once he gets in, he gets a foothold. He's there until he's told not to be there. And so you might have a conversation, interaction, and exchange with somebody. You may not think anything about it. You open up the door, the enemies come in, you go home, and then you act to your spouse or to your friend or to your family in a way that doesn't seem like you should. And as you do it, you think, oh my gosh, that wasn't me. It wasn't you. It was what you let in to you. That's why it's so important to be aware, to know that sin opens the door, and when we do, to close the door and tell whatever it is to leave. The gospel exposes demons. Sin invites demons. And let me tell you, you can pick one up on accident, like I just said. You don't got to go around shopping for demons. Which one do you want? It's not how it works. I'll take the small one over here, $12.99. It doesn't work like that. You're picking them up as you go. They're, they're attaching themselves, trying to come along with you for the ride, playing it cool until the right moment. Who knows this man who walked into the synagogue, how long he had a demon, what was going on, what the situation was. He might have thought, I'm going to go to church and hear Jesus. Everyone's been talking about that guy. He's healing people. I got this twitch in my neck. I'm going to go see what it's about. Get healed. He may not have known. He walked in and boom, the demon starts talking out of his own mouth. The third thing 
is that authority moves demons. Authority moves demons. We see this time and time again in Scripture. That with the authority, not that we have, not the authority of your past record of reading Scripture, though I hope that you do, not the authority of your past record of evangelizing, though I hope that you do, that's not it. The authority is Jesus' authority that we stand in that moves demons out of the way, out of the place, and out of the purpose out of the person so that we can accomplish the purpose that God has for us in that moment so that we can preach the word to the people at work so that we can preach to our family. And when I say preach, I don't mean like you're preaching. I just mean you're telling them, you're living out the word. You're doing what Jesus was doing. But when we choose not to stand in the authority that God has given us, we cannot expect to move demons out of the way. And the person who's in the room right now that's thinking, I don't need to move any demons out of the way, you're the one who needs to move the demons out of the way. Especially because you've been blinded. I'm hoping tonight that eyes get opened up, hearts get opened up, and we can see, as the scripture tells us to see, not with our eyes, but with spiritual eyes, what's happening. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, reminds us where our authority is. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. We will overcome by the love of Jesus and by the truth of Jesus. That's the authority we stand in, and that is what we overcome in. There's nothing else. There's no other authority that we have except for the authority because of what Jesus has done on the cross, the love he has given us, and the truth that we have because of it. We stand on that, and what we declare now becomes. It's a powerful weapon. It's important that we exercise this authority in our life and in our home. Because what I have learned is that if we can't exercise it in our own life and we can't exercise it in our own home, then we're definitely not going outside the walls into the world and exercising the authority that God has given us. We're not operating in this authority at the workplace when ourselves aren't living in line with the authority of the word of God and our house is not. This is why it's so important. You get in your car whenever you go, whenever you're alone, whatever it is, and you begin to take authority back over your life so that you have it. And then you go to your house and you take authority over your house. I walk around my house at least once a week declaring authority over it. Lisette was walking baby Mav around the other day. He's almost six months old. Look at him just growing like a weed. She was walking him around the other day, showing him. She was like, this is the bathroom. And she was like, I just like to walk him around the house and show him. And I thought, you know what? Whatever, man. Sometimes you've got to do stuff because you've got a baby. You're like, I don't even know what to do with this baby. Like, here's the bathroom for the 20th time. You know, you're just trying to like keep the baby busy. And I subscribe to the SST method when it comes to the baby, which I tell you said about, and it works really great. It's the so-so tired method. You've got to get the baby tired, then he takes his naps. That's how it works, okay? I don't know. I'm just trying to figure this thing out, okay? But as she's taking the baby around, I started thinking, oh, yeah, like, he needs to know, like, this is his house. We have authority in this place. It's not just a property. It doesn't matter who has the mineral rights or who built the walls or what it is. Like, I have taken authority over the house that I live in. It could be your apartment. It could be your trailer. It could be your car. I don't care what it is. 
If God has given it to you, take authority by the blood of the lamb so that you put a boundary around that place and say, no devil, you don't have any right in this place. You ought to be praising God and thanking him that he's given you the authority over everything that's yours. So that when we go somewhere else, we walk with that same authority. I had a lot of coaches growing up. A lot of them, several of them were not great. You know, a, a good coach or a bad coach in your life, a good teacher or a bad teacher in your life can really form some things in you. You rarely ever forget a good coach, a good teacher, or what I'm just going to say how it is, a bad coach or a bad teacher, you rarely forget. We had this coach in eighth grade. Eighth grade, guys, this is a long time ago. We had this coach in eighth grade. In eighth grade basketball, we were good. We were the best. And he taught us that we got to walk with a little swagger when we go into the other team's gym. He said, you got to walk into their gym like it's your gym. And I was like, okay. The game hadn't even started yet, and we're playing the game. I still play games like that. Walking in with that level of spiritual authority, no matter whose gym or whose place it is, you don't need to walk in and be like, okay, I own this place. Here I am. No, no, no. That's the opposite of what I'm talking about. That's how the world will tell you to walk in with authority. You're walking in with this inward, quiet, still, flaming sword of the Holy Ghost, ready to chop down any evil thing that comes your way, any bad habit, addiction, or stronghold, ready to cut it down to the root because of the authority that you have. Because you're living a life that says, demons, you got to go. You got to go. You got no place in my house. You got no place in my family. You got no place in this building. You got no place in my marriage. You got no place in my relationships. You got no place in my future marriage. You got no place in my family. Demons, you got to go. Be gone. Be gone. Be gone. I say it in Jesus' name. Go on and walk. Because your schemes, your money, your currency, it's no good here. Because we're operating by faith. And that's one thing you don't know. I want to give you four, four prayers that cancel demons. Then I'm going to get out of your hair. Get out of your pulled back man bun hair, okay? Then I'm going to let my hair down. And... Four prayers that cancel demons. You ready? Write these down. They'll be on the screen. The first one is faith prayers. You got to pray with faith. The good news is the act of actually praying is praying with faith. Because talking to God and hearing from God takes faith. These faith prayers can look like petitions, telling God what you need, what you want, what you think you need, what you think you want. He loves to hear. They can look like prayers for healing. They can look like interceding. They can be lamenting or pain-filled they can be hurting, sad, or mad. It's you communicating to God with your faith, talking to God. They can be broken prayers. And they can also be rebuking prayers. Which is maybe one that we are not as familiar with. Walking into a place to get some tacos, and you feel an evil spirit, and you just say it right under your... You can't think it in your head because they can't get in your head. So stop doing that because that don't work. 
You can say it right under your breath. Devil, get out of here. You can't have this guy's business. I kick you out. And he may look at you like, no, no, I got this guy's business. And you look back at him like, no, no, my daddy said already. And kick him out. Rebuking prayers. Where, where you're having an argument and you realize in your own self you, you're not being you. And so you say out loud, demon, get off me. What are you? I, I think for me, what really gets to him, that's the devil, is when I remind him that he's nothing. I'm not even being rude to him because I'm not a rude guy. And I love my enemies even. But when I am flippantly pushing him away, it reminds him where he stands in the food chain. And my faith prayers can do that so quick to move a demon right out of the way. But you may have been praying for something and praying for something and praying for something and praying for something and ignoring the evil right in front of you Wondering why it's not working. Exercise your authority with your faith. Second prayer that cancels demons. Praise prayers. Praise prayers. Praise and thanksgiving. A praise prayer is thanking God for who he is and for what he has done. Now, if he ain't done nothing for you, that's fine because it's still who he is. But if he's done one thing for you, and if, he, if you're praying to him, he has. He set you free then you praise him for it. As soon as you begin to sense any darkness, any evil, anything spooky or lurking, what you begin to do is praise God for who he is. Open up your mouth and begin to give him praise. I was doing it, I was driving around the building earlier today, did a lap around the building, driving around, and I was just praising God. Singing my own song, making it up. I don't remember what it was. Good thing you weren't there. You would have, been left, you would have left the building. You would have jumped out of the car. Third prayer that cancels demons, salvation prayers. Salvation prayers. You want to cancel devils in your life? Draw them out by sharing the gospel and cancel their life. It's like a bait. It's like a trap. It's luring them out by sharing the gospel. The problem is we don't share the gospel as the church. So we wonder why demons aren't canceled in our life. Easy. Share the gospel. Because the gospel exposes them and cancels their purpose. Because what they're, let me, just, let me describe this for you. As I'm sitting there and I'm sharing the gospel. As I'm sitting there and I'm sharing the gospel. I'm across the table from somebody that the enemy has been messing with. Running their life, messing it up. And allowing them to blame themselves and blame other people for it. And I'm sitting there across from them sharing the gospel. And the devil knows that the assignment on their life is about to be canceled. You don't think he's going to start working and pushing? But he can't. Because the gospel is too powerful for the enemy. But I can't expect to live a life that says, demons, you got to go, if I never share who Jesus is. 
I'm not saying that you need a master's degree and you need to have the Roman road light out. I don't care what you got. If you know Jesus' name and that he saves, then buy the t-shirt, put it on, walk around in it, say hi to people and turn around and be like, Jesus saves. Do whatever you got to do. You may only know two words. Say two words. And every moment you disqualify yourself from that is letting the enemy win so that other people would be lost. Because either we believe the song that says that when I open up my mouth, things come crashing down and worlds change, or we don't. And what is inside of you? What is in each person as a child of God in this room that is ready to be released out into the world to cancel demons in your life, in your city, in other people's lives, and to set people free free through the power of the gospel is so powerful and life-changing. That is why the devil for so long is trying to keep a lid on it and keep your eyes blinded to the reality of what's going on. If it doesn't have horns and a tail, you think it's not evil. But guess what? It has camouflaged itself, come into the camp, and it's begun to stir things up. And it's our job to say devil you got to go and you don't need a five-point plan or some strategy I could give you some really great I could give you some really great practical tips on how to cast out some demons how to pray don't talk to the person talk to the demon I mean, there's some great things that are out there you can go watch some videos and learn or maybe there's some good stuff bad stuff. I don't know I could give you some about 10 good tips to do they won't matter if you're not preaching the gospel because the devil is not scared of you without the gospel. It's only Jesus in you that causes him to tremble. Let me give you the fourth one. You got faith prayers, you got praise prayers, you got salvation prayers, and number four, you have spirit prayers. I talked about this last week. If you like spirit prayers, what's that? I'm giving a plug. Go read the other message, okay? Go watch the other message. I don't need it for me, I need it for you. When you pray in the spirit, what happens in the spirit realm is so much more powerful than what you can pray in the realm of the flesh. Yes, I'm so sorry, but I'm saying that. That's what I just said. That praying in the spirit is more powerful than praying in the flesh. That is why it is important for us to practice and get better at our prayer language so that we can pray in a pure way to who God is. So we can cancel evil spirits because he knows best. Praying in the spirit is powerful and it is working and it is moving. And once it becomes a natural part of your life, once it becomes a natural part of your mature prayer life, you see how powerful and working it is, how it changes everything from the inside of you and how it begins to flow to the outside to change what's around you. It's undeniable how it works. If you're confused about it, like I said, go watch the previous message because what I don't want for us is to be behind this wall of camouflage, confused at what the devil is doing. Thinking that it's just coincidence, bad habit, bad genes, genealogy, past history, past hurt, past trauma, PTSD. You can classify it however you want to classify it. It comes from one place. It has one source. It's the devil. It's evil spirits. And the good news is you have inside of you what is more powerful than what is in front of you, which is the work of the living God.
ready to be activated as you open up your mouth and speak the gospel, not on your agenda, but on the agenda of the Father. Would you stand as we close? I know, I know tonight I just got to scratch the surface on talking about evil spirits and demons. I feel like there's so much more that we could say, so much more we could explore. But here's the, here's the major takeaway I want you to walk out with. They're real and you have authority over them. I hope that you wrote down the points. I know there was a lot of them. I hope that you took it in. I just pray in Jesus' name that every single thing that was of God gets planted in your heart and everything that was not falls straight to the ground, has no place in your life. And I'm believing for you this week that as you open up, as we open up our eyes and begin to see things differently, as we open up our eyes and begin to see things in a more mature way, we walk in and begin to see, okay, that's evil right there. That's, that's demonic work right there. That's demonic work over here. And we don't just recognize it and do nothing. We recognize it and say, demons, you got to go. Go to your house, declare it. Go to your car, declare it. Go to your life, and declare it. Go over everything that you have and declare that. Keep the door open to what God wants to do and the door closed to what the devil is trying to do. Father, I thank you for your goodness. For without you, there's no authority, there's no hope, there's no truth, and there's no love. So we thank you, God, for now releasing a spirit of authority into this room right now. Not cockiness in the flesh, but authority in the spirit as sons and daughters of the king. That we would stand where you call us to stand and we would speak how you call us to speak. And when we say open, it would open. And when we say close, it would close because we're speaking not our own words, but we're speaking what the Spirit wants, the Holy Ghost, the living God. We're speaking on behalf and through. In Jesus' name we pray.